0: As the scripture reads in Psalm 119 and verse 116, uphold me according unto thy word that I may live, and let me not be ashamed of my hope. Now, let's hear from God's word. Acts chapter 11 and verse 18. The Bible said, When they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God, saying, Then hath God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. Can we say amen right there? Thank God that He granted repentance unto life to the Gentiles, to you and me. You know that we were excluded. Amen. We were previously excluded, but now we are included. Hallelujah. Verse 19, Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that rose about Stephen traveled as far as Phinnes and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none, but unto the Jews only. And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which, when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. Then tidings of these things come to the ears of the church, which was in Jerusalem, and they sent forth Barnabas, that he should go as far as Antioch, verse 23, who, when he came and had seen the grace of God, was glad, and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. For he was a good man, and full of the Holy Ghost, and of faith, and much people was added unto the Lord. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, God, we ask you if you would, uh, God, please help this morning, Lord, as I stand and try to preach this message, Lord, speak to our hearts and draw us nearer to you, God, I pray, Lord, fulfill it uh, in the hearts of the people today, God, that you would draw us close to you, Uh, God, that we would cleave unto you, Lord, with a... purpose of heart today in this day in this hour in which we live. we need you, we ask in Jesus name amen. amen. Here the disciples we read and we learn and you can read the first uh, 10 or so books of this or chapters of this book how the, the, the Jews and the apostles and disciples had spent all their time preaching the gospel unto the Jews only. Uh, even there in verse number 19 how so many had gone about after the persecution of Stephen, and they were preaching the word only to the Jews. And that was who they were going to, because those were God's chosen people. And as far as they knew, God wasn't really all that concerned with the Gentiles. But if you read in Acts chapter 10 and Acts chapter 11, you'll read how that Peter was granted a vision from God that showed him. And God said, what I have said is clean, Say, call thou not common. Amen. And that God has enveloped the Gentiles into the plan of salvation. Thank God for that. If it wasn't for Acts chapter 10, you would have no hope of heaven. Amen. The Bible said, ye that were not a people, that ye are now a people, a holy nation, peculiar, set apart unto God, and that is us. Amen. The church that God saved us. Because of Acts chapter 10, we then were given the opportunity to be saved. Amen. And that the gospel was open to the Jew and the Gentile alike. And then in Acts chapter 11, it comes all the way to the church at Jerusalem, and James is there and these different ones, and they begin... Uh, to discuss it and look over some things and they find that God has in fact moved to make this the way it ought to be, that the Gentiles also received the Holy Ghost. We read it there. We see the change in verse uh, number 18. It said that then hath God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. Amen. I like how when you go down through there and read it that it said that they saw the Holy Ghost on them the same, that they saw it on the Jews, Amen. What a great thing that is! That God can show such a great change in a person. Uh, that it didn't matter where they were from, Amen. Didn't matter who they were or what they were, but that God was now in them, and that that showed a great change in them, Amen. In verse number nineteen through twenty-one, we see the church and how that the church begins to grow, and that there were many. It said who came and believed, and they received the grace of God. But then we see a charge in verse number 22 when it comes to the church there in Jerusalem that they send forth Barnabas to go as far as Antioch. And when Barnabas came and he saw the grace of God, amen, he saw the grace of God. He said, What's the grace of God? That's that unmerited favor of God. That God would save Gentiles and Jews and any man, any woman who would bow the knee and believe and put their trust in the gospel. And when he saw the grace of God, he was glad. Amen. Seeing God's grace ought to cause gladness. Can we say amen to that? Amen. Brother Edu posted on our Facebook page about leading a family to the Lord. And you know what it did? It made me glad. Amen. I bet last week he sent me an email with some pictures of some kids who'd gotten saved at their church. And you know what it did? It made me glad to know that the grace of God is not limited to Calvary Road Baptist Church. The grace of God is not limited to the United States of America. Amen. But the grace of God is so limitless. Amen. Limitless. It ought to make us glad. I'm troubled when we're unconcerned with the grace of God. Amen. When we hear about somebody getting saved and it has no effect on us. Amen. I'm concerned about that. Aren't you? Amen. Amen. When Barnabas came and he saw the grace of God, you know what he didn't do? He didn't get offended. Well, who do these Gentiles think they are? No, he was glad. And then he exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. Some this morning, you've come today and I don't know where your need is and I don't know what you're dealing with at home and I know maybe you've come seeking something from the Lord or maybe you haven't. Maybe you're just here. But I can tell you that when Barnabas showed up that day, there were some people who maybe didn't know what they were going to hear from him, but he had a message from God. And his message from God was very simply this, that they would, with purpose of heart, cleave unto the Lord. In the life of Barnabas, the Lord Jesus Christ had made a significant change. Amen to the fact that verse 24 said he was a good man who was full of the Holy Ghost and of faith. Amen. What a testimony that is of Barnabas. And he begins to preach there to these Jews and these Gentiles or anybody who will hear. Amen. And he tells them that they should cleave to God and to the Lord Jesus Christ with purpose of heart. When I read that phrase some time back, the Lord really struck it out to my mind and I think about that word cleave and what it means and I think about those things. I want to look down through a couple of these things and I want to give you this simple challenge this morning. I want to give you this challenge that you should get stuck on Jesus. Amen. You should get stuck on Jesus. What does that mean? Very simply, what I'm saying is this. There are too many people who are not stuck with Jesus. There are too many Christians, too many church members, too many children, too many young people, too many adults alike who want a casual relation to Jesus, but they've got no interest in being sold out. Can I tell you what Barnabas told them? He said, with purpose of heart, you should cleave unto the Lord. Amen. Over the last several weeks on Sunday morning, we looked at disciples and how that we can become the disciples of Christ, that there is a cause to that, and that it is it is a difficult thing. Amen. There are some requirements to being His disciple, but something that I do not want you to miss very simply is this, that it's all about Jesus. Amen. Let me say that again. It is all about Jesus. It is not about a form of godliness. It is not about a, a, a form of religion. It is not about, it's not about orthodoxy this morning. It's not about theology this morning. You know what it's, about? it's about Jesus Christ, the man. It's about the man, the Son of God, who came and died for your sins and mine. Amen. And if you could just get a hold of that, you know what it would do? It would cause a great change in your life. Too many times, you know why people quit church? Well, it ain't because of Jesus. You know why people quit ministry? It ain't because of Jesus. You know why people get offended and people have these problems and that problem? It ain't because of Jesus. It's because of other things. So what I want you to do this morning is to realize that if we would get stuck on Him, then a lot of those other things would work themselves out. Amen. Amen. Let me show you, first of all, you need to get your head stuck on Jesus. That word purpose in the verse that Barnabas encourages them, he exhorts them there, that with purpose, that word purpose is, it's that which a person sets before himself as an object to be reached or accomplished. Amen. It is moving forward with intention. It implies a settling of the mind. Well, what is my purpose? Can I tell you? That you've got to have a purpose if you want to be stuck on Jesus. And He needs to be your purpose. I'm not here this morning because I really like uh, the color of the walls. Amen. I'm not here this morning because I think those pews are particularly comfortable. Even though my wife was praising the comfortableness of our pews yesterday, after some of the chairs she sat in at that meeting, she said, those chairs, she said, are not comfortable. I'm glad we got pews. Amen. That's not why I'm here. I'm not here because you're here. Amen. Even though I'm glad you're here. Hallelujah. And I like seeing you and shaking your hand. I don't come here because you're here. I come here because of Jesus. I'm here because when I get up on Sunday morning, the Lord's Day, my first thought is, the Lord's Day. My first thought is the Lord, and it's Sunday, and I don't say, well, am I going to go to church? And you say, well, you're the pastor, you've got to be there. Well, I've been pastoring here for going on two years, and from the time that I was, I don't know, born, uh, I've been at church on Sunday. My dad was a preacher, and then he was my pastor from the time I was about two years old, and so yes, I never had a choice, amen. Can I tell you, you don't give your children a choice whether or not to brush their teeth, don't give them a choice about whether or not to go to church, hallelujah. There is nothing in your life more vital than church. Amen. You say, wow, that's, that's a bold statement, and I believe it's a biblical statement. Drawn out of God, He'll draw out of you. Get Him in here. Forsake not. Amen. Come to church and be in God's church and be with God's people. Hallelujah. And we're here this morning, and why are we here? Well, you're not here because I told you you better be here. And you're not here because you wanted to see me. I guarantee you that. And hopefully you're not here because of you want somebody to see you, or whatever it may be. There's only one purpose that should bring us into church this morning. You know what that is? The Lord Jesus. He is that important. He is that big of a deal. Amen. I'm not here because it's church time. Even though there's times, Brother Tim, I've gone to church when I didn't feel like it, and maybe I wasn't even right with God, but I went because it was church time, and I understand that, but that's not why we come. We assemble together, why? Because of Him. Well, we're, not, we're no longer Jew nor Greek. You know what we are? We're the bride of Christ. We're the family of God. We're joint heirs with Christ. Amen. And because of Him, our mind needs to be on the things of God. And this morning, it takes a decision, a mental, intentional decision to say, I'm going to go to God. Amen. I'm going to go and be with the Lord. I'm going to go to church. It is... Intentional to get our heads stuck on Jesus is intentional, it will never happen accidentally. Amen. It is an intentional thing to put your mind and your head on the Lord Jesus. It is an important thing. Very simply, Proverbs 23 7 said this For he, for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Amen. Romans chapter 8, verse 5 For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. That word mind in Romans 8. And verse number five means, "I think on these things." It means I am minded toward them. I've taken mind to go to church. I, I have a mind to serve God, and my mind is a mind of godly and spiritual things. Amen. It's the things I consider. It's the things I think about. It's the things that go around in my head. let me ask you a question this morning. What is on your mind? Can I tell you it's important what's on your mind? It's important what you think about. Maybe I'm the only one who ever has to do this, but sometimes I start thinking about things, and I think, man, I don't need to be thinking about that. Amen. Thinking about something bad about somebody else. You ever done that? No, just me? You ever thought somebody, you ever gone somewhere and been around somebody, and somebody said something, and later the devil brings it back to your mind, or maybe just you bring it back to your mind, and you start thinking on it, and you think, why'd they say that? They said that because they wanted to make me mad, or they wanted to hurt me, or they wanted to offend me. Why, why, didn't they, why didn't they shake my hand? Why didn't they say something to me? I was standing right there. They walked up and said something to Brooke, said something to my kids, and then turned around and walked away and never said a word to me. Why'd they do that? Amen. Any of y'all ever thought anything like that? Can I tell you? It's not good to think on things like that. Nine times out of ten... That's just the devil trying to hurt you. It's just your old self trying to get you all mixed up. You know, I, I, I've had people come to me and tell me things that I said, and, and literally, Brother Tim, I, I couldn't help but laugh. And like, I'm so sorry, I'm not trying to offend you. That never even crossed my mind. The way you took that never even crossed my mind. And I'm really sorry if the way I said that offended you in some way, but I never meant it that way. And can I tell you, I think most of the time that's exactly what happens. Our mind gets on things that are hurtful or harmful. Sometimes I'm so twisted up, I think about terrible things happening and I think, oh, don't think about that. You ever been driving down the road and, and just imagine a car crash? You ever done that? Ain't that weird? Why is my mind doing that? Because if my mind is left to its own devices, I can tell you it's not going to do anything good. I don't ever just let my mind wander and it takes me to great places, Brother Tim. It usually takes me to sinful things or hurtful things. Amen. You know why? Because my mind, it's a dark place. Amen. If I let the old me and the old self just run free, it wants to go to bad places. So you know what I've got to do? I've got to make my mind think on spiritual things. I gotta read my Bible and plant the word of God into my mind. You know what I find happens? I'm not spending any time in my Bible, but I'm spending all my time reading things that are secular, watching TV and hearing things that are secular, watching the news and, and just serving social media and doing all these other things, and 99% of all my mind space is spent on worldly things, that's all I think about. When all my mind space is spent on worldly things, that's all I think about. Amen. He that minds spiritual things, the Bible says is spiritually minded is life and peace, but to be carnally minded is death. It's important. It's intentional. we got to make ourselves think on the Lord. It's important that we got to understand it's not just, oh, it's no big deal. No, it is a big deal. That our minds are on Him and that we think on Him and it is imitative. So what does that mean? Well, here's the thing. Once you make your mind get stuck on Christ, you make yourself think about God and read His Word and And think about good things. And think good things about other people. Amen. You know what you'll find? You'll find what Paul said in Philippians chapter 2. and verse uh, number 4 where he said, Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. You know what that mind is? That mind of Christ Jesus is a mind of loving others and selflessness. You go down and read those next few verses and it is all about how He... Humbled Himself. He made Himself of no reputation that God had highly exalted Him because of His lowliness and His humility and that He submitted to the death of the cross. And that if we will think on Christ, we will eventually start to think like Christ. Amen. Amen. Put your mind on things above. Right? Put your mind on the things of God, on the Lord Jesus, and stop worrying about every other little thing. Amen. Amen. We need to get our heads stuck on the Lord Jesus. Not only that, we need to get our hearts stuck on Jesus. He said this, he said he encouraged them, he exhorted them, that with purpose of heart, amen, that word heart in your Bible often refers to your affections, those things you love, amen. It refers to those things that you feel strongly toward. What's that whatsoever you, your hand finds to do, you're to do with your might, that you were supposed to do things the Bible says heartily, Amen. That means that you're giving yourself to it. Not just your mind, but your heart, your love, your affection, your your focus. Amen. That your being, your very being is on the Lord. Matthew 22, verse 35. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets say, Amen. Well, we all know that, right? We know that the Bible says we're to love Him with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our mind. We know that to be true, but let me ask you a very simple question. Where is your heart this morning? What do you love? When I mentioned a certain unnamed basketball game earlier. We found out some of y'all love UK basketball. Amen. Not everybody in here does, I know. Jay says if you're an intellectual, you like of I disagree with that. Now, he got at least one amen. I don't know where... At the end of the day, though, it doesn't really matter, right? I mean, we talk about our heart, things we love. Some of you love this basketball team, or you love this football team, or... You love these kinds of movies, or you love these kinds of stories, or these kinds of books, or you love going and doing this for fun. Some of you love fishing. Some of you love hunting. Some of you love uh, reading. Some of you love, I don't know, hiking. But at the end of the day, our heart yearns for certain things, doesn't it? How much does your heart, and I want you to ask yourself this question, how much does your heart yearn for the things of God? When people get up, in church, and they sing about the Lord Jesus. Miss Angela sing about the Lord Jesus. Without Him, I could do nothing. And when you hear those songs, you hear those things, and somebody gets up and they begin to speak about how the Lord Jesus Christ marched up to Calvary's hill and died for our sins, does it affect your heart? Does it move you? Some people are moved by different things. Y'all seen those commercials where they play that song in the arms of an angel and they show all the dogs outside in cold weather? Y'all seen those commercials? I know some people that moves to tears. And I know some people that get really aggravated at those commercials. The truth of the matter is, different things move different people. But there's one thing that should move all of us, and that's the Lord Jesus. It's not a difference of opinion. It's not a difference of culture. It's not a difference of who I am or how I am. If you are saved, are you saved this morning? If you are saved, then the Lord ought to move you. People begin to talk about the Lord and to sing songs about the Lord. If nothing else moves you, that ought to move you. That ought to affect your heart. Now, sometimes we can get cold, we can get indifferent, and we can draw away, and that's what I'm telling you right now this morning. You need to get your heart stuck on the things of God. You say, well, I'm just, I don't know, I'm just not interested anymore. I, I just don't have the same draw I used to have. Well, maybe it's because you're pumping all the world, the world's movies, the world's music, everything the world has into your head 24 hours a day, and then you come to church, and after 45 minutes, you're ready for lunch. And you wonder why you just don't care about God's things like you used to. The reason is because it's just not practical. There was a time when I loved—I loved doing certain things. Amen. Times in my life where I loved playing this sport, or we people go through hobbies. Amen. You ever know somebody who they can only ever have one hobby, but they replace it annually, right? It's just their way. I, I've got friends, and it seems like, man, they go, they get into something, they go hard after that. You know, they, they sell all everything they got out of this old hobby, and they buy golf clubs, and they buy golf clothes, and they buy a golf membership. And then a year and a half later, you've been golfing? Nah, I quit doing that. But I bought coon dogs, and I'm going coon hunting all the time. And they spend thousands of dollars on this. And then a year later, you say, hey, you still going coon hunting? Nah, I sold all that. Y'all know anybody like that? I know a few people like that. And they go all the way heartily after one thing and then they move on to something else. And then they move on to something else. And a lot of times what happens is as you draw away from something, like the season ends, amen? You don't go fishing around here when it's cold and rainy and wintertime usually. You go when it's warm and spring. And so winter will come along and people will think, you know what, I don't really like fishing that much. and I'd rather do this and I'd rather do that. But then, And it's deer season. Well, you know, I'm not really that into deer right now, but I'm really into fishing because as you draw away from something you get less and less interested. But as you draw close to something else, you get more and more interested. Amen? The more time you spend reading about fishing and watching fishing videos, when you like fishing, the more you're going to want to fish. The more time you spend watching these kind of movies or reading these kind of books, the more you're going to want to do that. Amen? It's human nature. So why are we surprised when we spend less and less and less and less time with the things of God and we just don't care about them like we used to? I mean, that's just real practical preaching. Can we say amen? Well, I'm just not really all that concerned with this ministry or with that thing anymore or this anymore. Well, how much time are you spending praying about it? How much time are you spending reading God's Word? How much time are you spending in church? Because here's what Barnabas went, and he told all those people, all those people there, he, he, he exhorted them that they would with purpose of heart cleave unto the Lord. Are you stuck on the things of God? Is your heart stuck on the things of God? Let me say this and I'll move on to the last point. When our heart is stuck on the things of God, when our heart is stuck on Jesus, our heart loves the truth of Jesus. I said that before. When you hear the Gospel, it causes a reaction. When you hear about people getting saved, it causes a reaction. Because you love the Lord Jesus. And you love His truth. You know what that is? That's this Word of God. Our memory verse in Sunday School, Ephesians 2, verse 19 and 20. The last part of that says that we are built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. And that is these books right here, written by apostles and written by prophets. And when you love Jesus, you'll love His Word. When you've got no relationship with His Word, its not it should not be surprising to you that you don't have a strong relationship with Him. Amen. Amen. A heart that loves the Lord. Are you all still with me? A heart that is stuck on the Lord loves the truth of Jesus. The heart that, loves, uh, that is stuck on the Lord loves the things of Jesus. Amen. And the heart that is stuck on Jesus loves his music. Amen. A heart that is stuck on the Lord loves his message, his preaching. Amen. You know, I know a lot, I've heard people say, nobody likes preaching. Nobody likes to be preached to. Can I tell you, I must be a freak because I like preaching, I like listening to preaching. And usually it's because I'm thinking, God, I need help. Do y'all ever think, God, I need help? Am I the only one? God, help me. God, I'm messed up in my thinking. I say things I shouldn't say. I think things I shouldn't think. God, will you help me? Well, you know the number one way God has helped me in my life? Preaching. Most of the correction and help that I've had in my life has not come from personal Bible study. It has come from the preaching of the Word of God. God has chosen the foolishness of preaching. Preaching. That there's power in preaching. We love people who love the Lord and they love the things of God. They love His music, His message. They love His meetings. Amen. They love going to church. They love Sunday school, Bible school. Amen. Revival, camp meeting, whatever it might be. People who are, have their hearts stuck on Jesus go out of their way to be around God and His people. Amen. If Your heart's stuck on Jesus. You love His people. First John 2.15 Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Why? For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. So what does that say? Well, let me tell you what it does not say. It does not say that it is a sin to do things that are not spiritual. It is not wrong to enjoy hunting or fishing or golfing or watching TV or watching sports. It is not a sin to do things that are fun. But it is a problem when we love worldly things more than we love the things of God. In fact, it is a sin. It's idolatry. Placing anything in your life at a higher priority than God is placing that thing as an idol in your life. And that is a dangerous place to be. Can we say amen? Love not the world neither the things that are in the world. So how do I know if I love the world or if I love the things that are in the world? Well, let me say it to you like this. You know that song we sing, this world is not my home, I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Is that true? Is that true for you? Now, nah, seriously, I want you to think about it. Is that true for you? Do you think longingly? about being with the Lord? Do you think longingly about being in heaven? I'm not saying, man, you just can't wait to ditch everything going down here. I understand that there is joy in this life and there is goodness in this life and you should enjoy your life. But let me tell you, there's sometimes I just think about the Lord and I think, man, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. And I watch the news. And I get on social media and I talk to people and I hear about this going on over there and I hear about that one quitting over yonder. And I, I see that spot where that person used to sit in church and they're not there anymore. And I see these things and I think to myself, God, I just don't fit in here. Not here in this church, amen. In this world. I don't fit in in this world. I'm not like them. And they're not like me. Amen. In fact, if, they, if them out there knew most of the things that I think, they wouldn't want anything to do with me, Brother Tim. I'm not a part of them. Are you? Can, do you fit right in with the world because if this world feels like home to you, then I think you might love this world. Amen. Amen. Our hearts and our heads need to be stuck on Jesus. He is more important. He is. A heart that's stuck on Jesus loves to tell of Jesus. You ought to ask yourself this question, and I'm going to go to the last point. Have you ever told anybody else the gospel? Like, honestly, have you personally, are you saved? Say amen. amen. If you're saved, and I don't know who all just said amen. I didn't ask you to raise your hand. If you're saved, have you personally ever asked someone else if they were saved? That's a convicting thought. Brother Joe mentioned Brother Edu and going out and witnessing to a family and leading them to the Lord. You know, to do that, he went up and he told the story of how that he helped them with some some farm work they were doing and he had a little money and bought some, some food for them and things like that. The reason he did those things other than to be kind to them was so that they would know that he cared about them. So when he shared with them the good news of the gospel, they would know it was come from somebody who really meant what they were saying. Have you ever, ever looked at someone at work, someone at school, or someone at a family reunion, somebody you know, and said, Hey, I just, I just want to know, do you know that you're saved? That if you died today, you go to heaven? If you haven't ever done that, then the question you should ask yourself is very simply, why not? Why haven't I? You might ask somebody if they saw the game last night. You might ask somebody if they've been fishing lately. You might ask somebody if they would saw this new movie or this new TV show. Amen. Those are all worldly things. One whose heart is stuck on worldly things will speak of worldly things. One whose heart is stuck on godly things will speak on godly things. So how do I know that? Luke chapter 6, verse 45. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. An evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the, of the heart his mouth speaketh. That's what Jesus said. And He was simply saying this. What you love, you talk about. Before I had kids, I got annoyed sometimes at people talking to me about their kids all the time. Like, yeah, we get it. That thing you think is so cute is not so cute to all the rest of us. I told a guy I was working with one time because uh, I was like really excited. He was like, what's going on? I was like, my kid pooped in the potty. Guess what? He didn't care about that. No one in the world does. But I did. And I thought that was really cool. Because I I'd I changed one too many diapers to not think that was cool. Amen. Amen. The things that you love, you talk about them. Even when other people don't. You know that guy, that girl you talk to, and every time you get around they always talk about that one thing. You're like, oh my goodness, that's all they ever talk about. I don't care. It's what you love you can't help but talk about. So why aren't you talking about him? It's because our hearts aren't stuck on him like they should be. Can we say amen right now? Can I tell you my heart is not on Him the way it should be? That I, that I allow myself to drift toward other things and, and I resist the urge to talk about the Lord Jesus? Why? Why would we do that when He did everything for us? Amen. And does He not deserve us talking about Him? Does He not deserve us telling others about Him? Have we not been commanded to do so? Well, then amen. Then you know what we need to do? We need to say, you know what? The Bible's right and I'm wrong. Amen. And I need to start talking about Him and I need to start telling others about Him and I need to start loving Him the way that He deserves. Amen. We need to get our heads stuck on the Lord. We need to get our hearts stuck on the Lord. Then we need to get our hands stuck on the things of the Lord. He said this, He said, With purpose of heart, they should cleave unto the Lord. Psalm 24, verse 3, Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in His holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. He shall receive the blessings from the Lord, and righteousness from the God of His salvation. These hands that we take to do the work of the Lord, they should be clean hands. Amen. Amen. Brother Lee Watts, not too long ago, stood here in this pulpit and preached about raising holy hands toward heaven. And he said this, he said, God doesn't want your dirty hands. Amen. We can't live Sunday to Sunday taking our hands and committing all the sin we want, listening to whatever we want, doing whatever we want, scoffing at what the Bible says and living our lives the way we want, and then coming here on Sunday morning like this. Because God doesn't want this with dirty hands. It is those who have clean hands and a pure heart who stand in His holy place. God wants clean hands. Amen. The Bible's very clear about that. They're clean hands. Not only are they clean hands, they're committed hands. Deuteronomy verse, chapter 11, verse 22 said this, For if you shall diligently keep all these commandments which I command you to do them, to love the Lord your God, to walk in His ways, and to cleave unto Him, someone whose head and heart and hands are stuck on the things of God is someone who is committed. So what does that mean? They've got an I won't quit mentality. They're cleaved hands. Let me show you this we'll be done. 2 Samuel chapter 23. In 2 Samuel chapter 23, the author is outlining a number of men who are referred to as David's mighty men. Amen? There are a number of those men who are named by name and in 2 Samuel chapter 23, we're given a few of these who are given by name and then there is an account given, a story if you would, about Each of these, and and, and these are really, really cool, interesting, and great stories to read. But as you read 2 Samuel chapter 23 and verse number 9, we read about a man by the name of Eleazar. And after him was Eleazar, the son of Dodo the Aholite, one of the three mighty men with David when they defied the Philistines that were there gathered together to battle, and the men of Israel were gone away. Verse 10 He arose and smote the Philistines until his hand was weary and his hand clave unto the sword. And the Lord wrought a great victory that day, and the people returned after Him only to spoil. So what does that mean where it says that his hand clave unto the sword? That word cleave in this context means to stick. To adhere to. To hold to. To unite with or be united closely in interest or affection. To adhere with strong attachment, when the verse said that his hand clave under the sword, what it means is this: his hand got so tired that, in spite of his, in spite of the fact that he wanted to quit and wanted to quit, he refused to quit. And then what it says that his hand was weary. Amen. His hand was weary. You ever been writing a long time with a pencil and your hand gets tired? Well, this man was doing that, but with a sword and fighting, and his hand becomes tired, and it, it was probably a heavy sword, and he's tired, and he's holding, and he's tired, and he's fighting, and he's tired, and he's going, and he gets so tired, and his whole body says, man, just, just quit. But he refused. And after he refused to quit, not before, after he refused to quit, his hand claved to the sword. What does that mean? He could not let go even if you wanted to. You ever done that with your hand? Held on to something so tight that when you went to let go, you couldn't? You ever done that? I remember one time as a young kid, I rode a ride at some theme park. It was one of those that swung. I was terrified of rides. Always have been. I remember when I got, and it was one of those that had a cross member here, and I held it like this. When we got off, I could not let go. I had to get the guy next to me, a buddy or a friend of ours from church was with me, pull, pull one more arm down. Oh, my arm's locked up. You ever carried something heavy? And when you get done, you can't. Oh, you got to. Because your body said stop, but your heart and your mind said no. Eleazar took in his hand a sword and he said, I'm going to fight the enemies of God and I'm not going to quit. And he fought till he got tired and hurt. And wanted to quit, and just wanted nothing more than to quit. And his hand was saying, let go. And he said, I won't let go. And when it was over with, he couldn't let go. What I find, Brother Tim, is that many people, when that hand gets tired, they go, when they take a blow, You need to get stuck on him. I need to get stuck on him. Brother Tim, I want to get so stuck on him that I couldn't quit if I wanted to. Amen? Amen. Brother Scott and I were talking this morning after Sunday school about how that oftentimes one person messing up or falling out of the way can cause so many others like dominoes to fall. I don't want to quit. For them. I don't want to quit because of how it would hurt my family. I don't want to quit because of how it would hurt this church. I don't want to quit because how it would hurt my friends and other people who see me out there with a sword in my hand. But can I tell you that's not why I don't quit? The reason I don't, the reason I don't quit my purpose of heart is that I want to cleave unto the Lord. Amen. Are you stuck on the Lord? Why, why are you here? This morning we, we sing. The longer I serve Him, the sweeter He grows. I'd rather have Jesus. So many songs are all about how He's the best thing. Without Him, I could do nothing. He is everything. Are you stuck on Him? Why are you here this morning? Why do you come to church? Why do you get up in the morning on Sunday and go to church? Why, why do you pick up your Bible? Why do you sing congregational songs? Why do, you, why do we do any of the things that we do? Why do we teach a Sunday school class or play an instrument or sing a special or any of the things that we do? Can I tell you this morning, there is only one purpose, and that's Him. Where's your heart this morning? Is it stuck on what He can give you, what He can do for you? What you're getting out of this or getting out of that? Or is it Him? Let's all stand. Thank you again for listening to the Calvary Road Baptist Church Podcast. If you would like to learn more about our church in Shepherdsville, Kentucky, You can find the link to our website in the show notes to www.calvaryroadbaptistchurch.com. We're so thankful that you've taken the time to listen to today's sermon. and We hope that the Lord will use it to edify you in the faith. If you'd like to help spread the word about this podcast, you can do so by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, or by telling a friend. Thank you again, and have a blessed day in the Lord.